Good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Merlene Aiken-Smith. Um, effective June 15th, I will serve as the Senior Associate Athletics Director in SWA for Grambling State University. Um, I'm no longer with Clayton State. However, I just want to introduce myself and say who I was. Um, today we have a great panel detailing not I mean, down but not out, navigating employment transitions. Um, though the panel, Kevin Anderson. Um, Tanya, can you please give me a short description, um, open a statement of who you are and your story followed. Um, Kevin, can you please do the same as well? Hi to everyone. My name is Tanya Walker. I'm currently the Director of Athletics for Bluefield College in Bluefield, Virginia, not West Virginia as many people believe or think. Um, I've been in the business for over 25 years, started my career at the CIAA um, as the Director of Public Relations and later um, worked into event planning. Transitioned to Winston-Salem State University as the Assistant Athletics Director slash um, head volleyball coach and senior woman administrator. Really never had a desire to coach, but I did it for three years. Glad that I did because it allowed me the opportunity to understand and to embrace and really know how I could better serve in an administrative capacity for my coaches. And so I transitioned out of coaching into administration after three years, um, serving as the associate AD and senior woman administrator and the last four years of my time at Winston served as the Director of Athletics. I've been serving here at Bluefield College since July, so I'm coming up on a year, um, and just learned yesterday that I was promoted, and so I'm excited about that, and excited to be able to share the news once it becomes public. Can you please provide us with an opening statement and uh, tell us a little bit about your story? Good morning, everybody, particularly on the West Coast, and good afternoon for those in the other parts of the United States. Um, I'm working and doing many different things now. One of the things that uh, I'm doing and I have a true passion for now is uh, working with my church and various churches in the Los Angeles area, doing things with homeless people, uh, with uh, food banks, and uh, working with young people as well. Also working with car sports as an associate and doing uh, some consulting for them and also Educor who uh, provides services for athletes and entertainers on wealth and financial management. All right, thank you. Oh. All right, we're gonna jump right into some questions. Um, my first question um, is for both Mr. Anderson and Ms. Walker. Most athletic administrators, as well as coaches, will experience um, some employment changes throughout their career in athletics. What are some of your strategies or plans of action you would strongly recommend when planning um, the next career opportunity? Mr. Anderson? Yes, um, I decided to make a change when I didn't want to be working with people that were transitional and that um, I always, and I got into college athletics to be transformational and that uh, I saw some opportunities that uh, working with young people and being able to uh, continue and use it as my ministry that uh, I was prepared to move forward with that. You know, we're looking at uh, our current situation in this country, in this world, where particularly our young people are looking for answers and want change. And, you know, it disturbs me when I hear um, in the media and in other uh, forums that, you know, they use the word riots and protesting, but this is a rebellion. This is a rebellion for people looking for a change and for all of us to do the right thing. And there's uh, no better opportunity 
than to being intercollegiate athletics and be able to touch so many young people and be able to formulate uh, their life and, uh, and do positive things and lead our country and our world. You know, that's, uh, I, I think that what I would really like to convey in this message is that we all have an opportunity to make an impact in everybody's life that we touched with intercollegiate athletics. And there's no better place than in the locker room or in that arena where everybody works for a common goal. You have to accept the differences, work through the differences to become one and be able to see what the right thing is to do and to be competitive and to win for those situations. And um, that's what uh, I've been able to do in this transition. But you know, uh, being transformational is, I believe, all of our ministry. Yeah, so for me, you know, I, I think I broke it down as I look back at my transition from Winston to Bluefield College um, in three phases. So that first phase for me was the ability for me to take a stand and say that I choose me. Um, I choose my health, I choose my spiritual life, I choose my physical ability over what I put myself through over a period of time that I didn't really recognize until I stepped away from the job. Um, when I say I choose me and looking at all that I had accomplished and looking at all that I had, how my body took on so much during that time, um, while it, it looked good from the outside, but it wasn't good to me. So suffering high blood pressure issues, suffering weight gain, on the brink of diabetes, having a heart procedure, stressed to the max, wasn't good to me, wasn't good for me. So that was my first step, is just to step away and do Tanya. And so when people would ask, so what's up, what are you doing? I'm doing me. And for so long, didn't do that. So that would be my first suggestion to anyone is to always listen to your body, to take care of yourself, to try to de-stress as much as possible because stress will kill you. And, and, and that's honest. Um, and mental health is real. And so, so many of us as a people don't really believe or act on the need to care for our mental health just as we do our physical body. So if you broke your ankle today, you'd be going straight to the hospital, straight to a doctor. But we would stand so much mentally and the first thing we say is, oh, I'm okay. Oh, I got it. No, I'm not going to see anyone, but it's okay sitting on someone's couch. It really, really is. Secondly, I would say enjoy the journey because life is just that, it's a journey. And my time away initially, you know, I was on the phone three, four days after my last day at Winston with someone assisting me with putting my resume together so that I could start this process together. And I'm so thankful um, that she pushed me back to say, let me call you back in a month because you're not ready for this process. In my mind, I thought that I was. I'm out of one and off to seek the next. But were it not for her, um, I don't know what would have happened because I would have rushed into a decision and I would have done more detriment and harm to my body and to mentally. And so taking that time um, and, and really thinking back through what it is, thinking towards what it is that you're looking to do, how can I best take care of myself? How can I find myself? How can I reinvent myself? Um, and really fall in love with what I do all over again. During this time that was a way for me, I feel that it was divinely orchestrated. My father suffers from a mental illness. And so that time away allowed me to spend lots of time with him in South Carolina. What do we typically do is we typically put work first and other things first is, oh, I can't go. Oh, I can't be there. I have a game. I have to do X, Y, Z. I have a conference. I have to speak. But this allowed me to really tune into what's important. And it was my family. 
And so I was able to share that time with my dad when he was going through a bipolar episode and we really learned and, and really learned what it was that was going on and to serve him in that kind of support. And I'm so grateful for that time. Enjoying the journey also means finding your peace and it's nothing like peace. And so stepping away from the stresses of the job, um, from the day to day, from the grind and really tuning into what's important was eye-opening for me. And so, you know, more than money, more than accomplishments, my peace means so much more to me. And I can really tune into and acknowledge that now. Um, it also gave me a, a time to explore. So was it athletics that I wanted to remain? Was it an athletic director that I wanted to continue to walk in, that, in, in those footsteps? But it allowed me to try some things from an entrepreneurial standpoint it allowed, allowed me to look at some things very differently, but my calling was for athletics administration, and that's where I decided to continue on. And then the last thing would be an opportunity to focus on my job search and find the next job that was a right fit for me, that job that gave me peace, that job that would allow me to, it would be a concentrated effort that would allow me to focus on what I was looking for while giving me growth opportunities still and allowing me to continue to mentor and encourage and to build a program. And so this is where I landed. So those are some things that my keys to success or my keys or my, the way that I navigated the space that have worked for me. And so I'm glad to share those with you. Mr. Anderson. Um... What prepared you for your next opportunity? You know, I was listening to Greg Brown earlier, and um, he referred to this, and I can definitely relate to this, is that uh, my faith and uh, believing in what the good news talks to us about and shows us each and every day and without that, uh, it might have been difficult. But, you know, I was able to rely on the belief of what uh, the good Lord has promised us and been able to uh, move on. You know, um, a lot of people have asked me, and I really have never addressed why I left the University of Maryland. Um, and the reason why I never did that is because there was a lot of great things accomplished and I worked with a lot of great people that did a lot of great things and to diminish that and with the young people that I was working with uh, wasn't worth it to me and I don't think it would have been appropriate to expand or expound on that. You know, um, and I've been able to move on and uh, I could uh, relate to what was just shared with you is that, you know, I have my own peace now. And, um, you know, at any point in my time, I don't think I've ever been this good with me as I am now. So, you know, um, I, I just think that one thing that I would encourage for everybody, we've got to believe in the work that we do. And, you know, um, if you're spiritual, if you believe and you have faith, and even if you don't, uh, Given an opportunity to work in this arena is a blessing. And that we're touching far many people than we'll ever even know. And that we all must be considered doing the right thing. And, you know, um, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but I'll revert back to John 10 when he talks about those of us who go through the gate and have the sheep hear our voice and they know what our voice is. And those who don't enter the gate, but go into it sideways or whatever way they do it, um, they're, robbing, they're robbing and they're thieves. And one of the things that we all need to do today, particularly what we're experiencing and we're seeing each and every day, uh, we need to be true to those people that we serve and to ourselves and make sure that we are doing everything to encourage these young people to trust us and see that what we're trying to accomplish is for their best effort in whatever they choose to do in life. 
Mr. Anderson and Ms. Walker, um, just to piggyback off of what Mr. Anderson just um, said, what would be your advice um, to young folks in the profession, profession when they're trying to, um, I guess, get in, um, get into athletics, however they see themselves being passed by by so many folks, what would you recommend for them in order to get into athletics? You know, for me, I say that, you know, it's not about who you know, but it's who knows you and how. And so, you know, I could name drop all day, but if those persons do not know who I am um, or what I achieve to do, there's no way they could help me navigate and move to my next. Um, I would also sh say share your intention. Share where you're trying to go um, and ask for help. Identify mentors and sponsors that could assist you where you are currently and assist you with transitioning into your next. In my earlier, yes, in my earlier days, I could tell you to the second what my plan was and what I thought I would be able to do. Um, I'll share with you that uh, when I was interviewing for the director's job at West Point, I was asked that question about, Kevin, what is your plan? And I said that, but then I said, you know, as I've grown older, I do know that it's God's plan and that uh, everything uh, that I've been able to accomplish, it has been through him. And, you know, I can't question why he's put me in these positions, but he has. And I wish I could tell you that there was a specific thing that I did to be in a position and to accomplish what I've been able to. So long story short, though, after I got through the interview, the cert firm came back to me and said, you know, they appreciate that you're a man of faith in God, but they want to know what your plan is and not what God's plan is. So, you know, I, I discussed with them what my vision and what I would like to establish and what kind of culture that I believe that we should work in. You know, um, it's just a matter of finding people that believe in you. And I was fortunate enough and, you know, there's somebody near and dear to all of our hearts and it was Mr. Cleary. And Mr. Cleary saw something in me and it was uh, a certain situation that I think that he saw my passion and that... Uh, um, I truly believed in what uh, what we were talking about, and uh, it just resonated with him. And uh, I've been able to be successful. And a lot of the reason is is because Mike Cleary believed in who I was and what I wanted to be and what I uh, stood for. So I believe, um, as Tanya said, that you have to demonstrate who you are and be true to yourself, and people you know, respect and will understand if you're true to yourself. I see too many people now that um, I believe that they want to be in these positions because of title, uh, power, and position. And I think that only goes so far, but if there's not a true commitment to the mission that we all could do to improve these young people's lives, it comes, it comes to roost and people see through that. Thank you. Um, my next question for you is, uh, how did you stay relevant during your transition um, to your next opportunity? Um, Tanya had mentioned that it's about um, who knows you, um, sharing your intentions, um, seeking sponsorships and support. Um, how do you navigate in uh, making that transition to the next opportunity um, when you with those of using those factors, those avenues of sponsorship and assistance. Right, so, you know, if, if you have sponsors and mentors, you've likely maintained contact with them throughout that time. And so, you know, having those candid conversations of um, where you are trying to go, what you're trying to do, asking for support, asking the questions that are going to continue to groom you and prune you, and prepare you for your next. Next, Having those people around you that can have those real conversations that can be totally transparent and candid and you can receive that in love, knowing that they are only trying to help you move to your next and, and to prepare you for what is coming. Um, I believe also just networking in general. 
making sure that from a relevant standpoint that you are staying um, connected within the industry, that you are still attending your national affiliated meetings um, or, or conventions, you know, and, and finding a way to get there. You know, th there were my sisters who, you know, I didn't have the income, but I laid on somebody's bed. They allowed me to stay with them and I was able to attend a conference. Um, or my sister saying, come, we, we, we've got you. And having those conversations or having that shoulder to cry on to purge because we are human. Um, but having those types of relationships and knowing that there are people that are that have a, a deep desire to assist you, to help to nurture you in those low points because we will all hit them. Um, none of us will fall short. All of us at some point will, will need that shoulder and will need that type of support from friends, loved ones, etc. So I would just say staying connected, making sure that you know you are staying connected with those people in your network, both within the industry and outside of the industry, staying focused on what it is that you're trying to do, staying knowledgeable about the business um, and, and what's going on in the industry, despite you not having a job in that time, because those are tools that you will need to re-enter and continue on your journey. So my next question, um, with young folks uh, getting into the business, they may not have the, uh, the number of sponsorships or support or mentors um, to assist them in their next opportunity. Um, what are some of your recommendations um, from both Tanya and Mr. Anderson um, you would provide to our audience? Okay, Everybody who's listening today, and particularly those people that are in positions that can help people, I believe should be reaching out and helping folks. Um, I get calls too many times where um, people say, well, you know, I've reached out to so-and-so or I've asked this and they won't get returned phone calls. Or, you know, um, I've had people say that, you know, I don't go to NACTA anymore because I don't want to be bombarded by these young people and coming up and wanting to talk to me and ask me questions. And then I look at them and I say, but you were one of them. <laughs> That's how you were able to accomplish what you did. I mean, we all are indebted and that we all should be reaching back and, you know, I guess the current terminology is passing it forward. Well, I just know there's a lot of people that uh, helped change my life and to put me in a direction where I have been able to be successful and that uh, had they not been in my life, I don't know what I would have been and what I would be doing right now, but it definitely probably wasn't going to be as constructive as it is now. So we all owe those people and we all should be helping one another. Two things. When I was at West Point, one of the things that it resonated throughout the Corps and throughout the Army is that you never leave a fallen comrade. And then the other thing, if you go to Acts, you know, Jesus reached out to all. Very clear that he reached out to all. And, you know, there's a lot of people, and particularly in my current situation, they said, well, you know, you, you, you can't save everybody. You know, you shouldn't be, you know, some people just, well, that's not how I was raised, and that's not what my God has taught me. We all owe each other, and that if we are committed to each and every one of us, our world would be far different and far better than it is now. So what I'm trying to say is that, I encourage everybody to help each and every one of those, particularly those young people coming up and give them direction, you know, turn them on to somebody else. And then those people that you turn them on to, you need to really uh, emphasize that they owe it to our young people to help them and, and, and be able to achieve what they're looking to achieve. Or to be honest with them and let them know what the business is really all about and ask them, do you really want to do this? Right. I concur, Kevin. And, you know, my philosophy is that 
each one should reach one. We should be reaching back and pulling someone forward and preparing someone to fill our shoes once we depart. Um, I believe it's our due diligence and our responsibility to leave that type of legacy and preparing and, and helping and empowering young people to move forward in the industry. But also to the up and comers, you know, when, when you have opportunities to attend um, conventions and meetings, don't be a wallflower. You have to navigate the space and work the room. You have to shake hands. You have to make people know who you are so that your name is impressionable so that when I meet you and I'm, I, I meet someone that's looking for someone or looking for someone to fill an opportunity, your name rings loud and clear so that I can then pass that name forward. So I challenge you to allow our networks to become a part of your network so that we can assist you. Tanya, that's great. And I got a great story to share. Um, there was a young man who worked at Michigan State a long time ago. And I was walking through a lobby and he came up and introduced himself to me. And, you know, he was, uh, he was very bright. He was very gregarious. He, um, he, he just engaged me. And now he's going to be the athletic director at UCLA. Mm. And had Martin Jarman, you know, Martin introduced himself to me and I worked with Martin and other people did. And that's, you know, what Martin had to do to get where he is now. He didn't sit back. He didn't wait. He encouraged it. He, he pushed it forward to put himself in a position where he did the work as well. We asked him to come and be part of us. And I mean, as we do that, we gave him some of the grunt work and, you know, he took it and he did it happily and he did it to the best that he could. And he did a wonderful job and he was recognized by a lot of people. And now look where Martin is. So my advice to all these young folks is, is that, Jay, you, as you said, Tony, you've got to reach out and you've got to be willing to put in an extra effort. It's just not going to be given to you. Absolutely. I totally agree. I was one of those individuals who had to put in some uh, um, volunteer time um, to figure out whether or not athletics was the career choice for me. Um, going back to uh, navigating um, disruptions in your um, employment um, in athletics, I wanted to ask each of you, what was your immediate step within minutes of um, departing um, what did you do immediately? What was the last part of that question, Marlene? What was some of your immediate steps you took within minutes of finding out that you were no longer employed with the institution you were previously at? Uh, what did I do immediately? You know, I just shared that I was on the phone with Jen Fry, getting my resume reworked. Um, actually, with someone before Jen Fry, and she she looked at me through the phone as if I were crazy, because she said that I wasn't ready. Um, and so, trying to jump back in it too soon was my re immediate reaction. Um, and but again, so thankful for her pushing back so that I could rest something that we typically don't do in this business um, and, and truly rest my mind and rest my body and replenish myself. So those are my first, my immediate steps. Ms. Anderson. What was your immediate, I guess, steps or minutes right after um, it was told to you or you decided to leave the institution? You know, um, as Tony said, you know, I reached out to people that were important to me and explained to them where I was and what I was going to do. Uh, I knew there was going to be chatter, but I didn't want everybody to hear the, the, version that might not be true and that could have been um, uh, swaying people one way or the other. That was important to me. And then the other thing is, is that um, the thing that I didn't realize is how it affected my family and uh, particularly my young son. And, you know, um, it, we're sitting watching a football game and 
on ESPN and the scroll goes and talked about I had been fired, which I hadn't been, but my son looked at me and said, why didn't you tell me? And this was, he was 13 or 14. And I didn't realize how much of an impact that it would have on him and my daughters. But I look at this now and I can reflect on it. I had 500 and something student athletes and those were all his brothers and sisters. I mean, he grew up in that, so did my daughters. And so now they're being removed from that. And then they're hearing things about their father that other people are repeating and, you know, true or not true. And they're having to uh, uh, defend uh, our family honor and everything else. So it was more that I realized that I had to take them and put my arms around them and father and that parent to protect their family and you know my wife and everybody else so uh, we spent a lot of time and I mean if, if there's there's been many blessings but that's probably the most because Tanya said this earlier I mean I was there but I wasn't there I was always on the road or I was always at a meeting or always doing something and um, you don't understand the void and what you're missing until you've stepped out of it and then step back into it. So uh, this has been wonderful for me and a blessing because I believe now I'm a better husband, a better friend, a better father. Uh, it's connected me with my son. I'm close with him now. I, you know, I'm able to participate in uh, the things that he's involved in and to see how he is. Um, one of the examples I used is that uh, my youngest daughter was a very good soccer player. In her junior year, they won the state championship, and I think I was able to attend one or two games, and uh, I didn't attend the state championship game. So when I reflect back on that and all the things that I missed and the sacrifices I made, uh, it really um, had me reevaluate and really um, uh, respect and honor what my wife and my family ha had done to support me. Thank you, Kevin. Now we have, um, we're in an epidemic with COVID-19. Um, there are a lot of layoffs going on in athletics, a lot of changes. Um, athletics is volatile in and of itself, um, but there are a lot of layoffs. And a lot of times before this, um, this time right here, COVID-19, we would tell individuals to go volunteer, um, go intern um, if they have some gaps in their employment um, stream. What are some things individuals can do to stay relevant, stay connected um, in their profession, in athletics? It's tough right now. Um, there's restrictions on uh, campus visitation. Um, what can they do? You know, Marlene, I would say that we found, um, we all should buy stock in Zoom right now. And we found a way to do everything with the use of technology. Your growth always, your growth doesn't always come with a paycheck. And so they are, there are many avenues to grow and develop and learn and share and encourage through the use of technology. Um, I would encourage and challenge those that are, are looking to fill gaps to do so through Zooming, through um, going to conferences as, as this one. So MOA found an opportunity to provide a leadership opportunity through technology. And so tapping into those types of um, pieces of technology is, is huge. Um, people will talk to you. So, you know, as, as, as simple as picking up the phone and, and sharing and dialogue and asking, you know, how are you, for instance, this, this, the, the COVID plan is real. And so, I mean, this COVID-19 is real. And so there are a number of us that are sharing plans because there's no real need to invent the wheel, but to lean in on um, the expertise of others, to strengthen your plan, to help one another, um, to help some who may not know where to start. So those are just avenues um, that I share that people should consider and, and, and their continued desire to grow and learn and share. Uh, I agree with Tonya. And the other thing that I think 
during this time and we do have more time to ourselves is that, you know, um, we read more, we reflect more. Um, you know, I started, uh, I would look and I started to try to learn Spanish. And I think that now that we look at, or some kind of language that we look at where, you know, because communication is just opening and speaking another language could be helpful in all of our jobs. But the other thing that I've been able to do, and again, being with my, my family, my kids, uh, going out to a protest and listening to all the different people and what they're feeling and what they're hearing and what they're sensing. And I think that that's one of the most important things we could bring back to campus when we return, is that we try to understand again where people are, what they're feeling. I mean, what do they want? What do these young people want? They want to be heard and they've grown up differently. They've grown up differently than me and my experience. But I think that, you know, <clears throat> we all owe them that. And that um, it used to bother me when I was on campus and people would say, oh, you know, when the kids aren't here, campus is better. You could get from here to there and everything else. And then I'd look at them and say, well, <laughs> if they weren't here, we wouldn't have jobs. And the reason why we do what we do is because of them. And so to listen to them and understand what their message is and what their needs are, it just broadens us. We've lost the value of the scholarship. All we do now, or the meetings that I used to be in and I still am in, it bothers me because the first thing we start talking about is, you know, economics and everything else. And I know that's, that's all part of this. But the thing is, is that the value of the scholarship, no one can take an education away from you. If we do our jobs the way we're supposed to do and give these young people every opportunity to graduate and take it forward, then we've been rewarded. And that's why I know a lot of us are on campus. And so, you know, this is an opportunity now to listen, to look where we are as a country. And the other thing is to collaborate. I mean, nobody wants to work with anybody anymore. We look at our government and our government is broken because each and every one of those people representing an organization aren't open to listening to the other people and doing what's right. So I got to get off my soapbox, but um, that's where uh, <laughs> I believe things are. My next question for the both of you is, uh, how do you stay motivated um, when you're going through a job search? Some individuals, they may, when they're out of a job, they may be out for a month. They may be out for six months or even a year or more. Um, tell me, how would those individuals, especially year, a year or more, how do they stay motivated, especially when they know, just like what Mr. Anderson said, that their true passion, their purpose, they have defined as um, helping motivate young individuals. And that's the arena they want to utilize those skills. How do you stay motivated? I go, Kim? No, you go and then uh, okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll parlay off of you. Okay, that's fine. Um, Marlene, for me, I'm a strong woman. I realize I'm a strong woman. And I know that I do what I do because there's a message in it for my kids, for my daughter and for my granddaughter in particular. And so, yes, when you are out there looking, you're going to get so many no's before that yes comes. That's just the reality. But, you know, I know that I found fuel in knowing that I was going to land when it was supposed to happen. So enjoying the journey, as I said earlier, um, there was a reason why it was some 12 months before I landed in my next. And so really leaning in, um, not really trying to concentrate on why I had not landed. I just knew that it was coming and I could feel when it was coming. Um, I just can't even explain it. I knew that in a matter of weeks or months or soon, that it was going to happen. Didn't know where it was going to be, had no clue that I would be in Bluefield, Virginia, 
but I do know that I was called here for this time and, and, and for a reason. And so, you know, it's, it's my kids that have fueled my fire. Tanya, amen. Tanya. Um, I'm part of the rebellion. I want what's right for all of us and that I know that we all have an arena in athletics that can reach many more people than other avenues in our life. Um, and, you know, again, and I hope again, like I said, I'm not offending people, but God has a plan for me and um, he's going to place me where he needs me. And uh, I believe that and live that each and every day of my life. And so it's, uh, it's my motivation. It's, uh, it's my spirit that keeps alive and, um, and well because of that. Thank you. Um, my next question is, did you ever feel during that time period you were out of athletics that you were out of athletics, that you may have to um, make a career change? I didn't necessarily feel I was out of athletics, but I looked for those transferable skills where I could still stay connected. And so I did start looking into fundraising opportunities um, within the athletics realm, but knew that I wanted to remain a part of the industry. Um, and that's where I really narrowed my search. Yeah, I'm like, I, I've never been out of athletics. Um, I've had, you know, I'm fortunate enough and I've worked with enough good people that uh, we've been able to share ideas and we've been able to work on what's good for uh, intercollegiate athletics. And, you know, they've kept me involved and they continue to keep me involved in that area. But, you know, it has allowed me, and Tanya referred to this earlier on, to look at other things that I enjoy in life. I started to take acting lessons and trying to do certain things in that field. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just been wonderful that um, I've been able to broaden myself. And the message that I want to leave with uh, a lot of the young people is do not limit yourself. I mean, as I grew up and in my community, you know, there were certain things that they said that you just didn't do and that you didn't experience. And you know what? I missed out a, a lot in life until my later days because, you know, <clears throat> Experience is one of the wonderful things to enjoy in life and the more you experience. And I believe that, you know, what we're looking at now, when we look about, when we look at diversity and inclusion, one of it is experience and experiencing one another and understanding our differences and how we can bring our differences to the table and expand and, you know, value them to move forward as a whole and to be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish. So, you know, um, I never did feel that I was not part of it or that I was outside of it. Mr. Anderson, uh, Ms. Walker, thank you so much for being candid during this discussion. Next, we're gonna turn it over to our audience. Um, they will have some questions for you. Uh, Noah will take over from here. First off, thank you guys. I was a Great discussion and advice I received. Our first question is from Jake Flake. What are the first three things you would do after being let go? I couldn't understand your question, Tony. Say that again. I'm sorry. What are the first three things you would do after being let go? First three things. Ah. Uh, okay. Secondly, rest. Um, and the third thing I would say is invest in your resume. And I say that because <clears throat> um, during this transition and during this time, I thought my resume was on point. Um, and it was my cousin who told me to always invest in your resume. So I had my resume redone by, um, I called her name earlier. Uh, 
I can't, I can't call her name. I'm sorry. But I had my resume redone. And when I got it back, I asked her, who is this? <laughs> and she said, it's you. She said, because as women, we tend not to brag on ourselves, but that's the purpose of your resume. Jen Fry, I'm sorry. Um, she flipped my resume that I didn't even recognize myself. It was all true. Everything that she put was, she captured everything that I had done, but she did it so eloquently and so professionally that when I first started using that resume as a part of my application package, I immediately started getting hit and it picked up fast. And so those are the three things in that order um, that I would do that as women, first of all, rest and be ready, get ready and prepare your body for your next your transition. Yes, I agree with that. The other thing I would suggest is that you reflect and mm -hmm. that you have a conversation with yourself, an honest and open conversation with yourself. Um, realize what might have happened, um, what you might have done, what you might not have done, and then be real with that and move <laughs> forward. Uh, the other thing is reach out to friends and people that have mentored and guided guide you and talk to them and be honest with them and help them uh, form some conclusions for you. And the third thing that I really think that you need to do in, in all of this is to continue to believe in yourself. Because many times something happens and that for one reason or the other, you probably had <clears throat> um, little or no control over it. And so you have to continue to believe in yourself. I think where a lot of people go wrong and miss opportunities or don't get other opportunities is because they lose faith in themselves and what they stand for. And um, that's your, that's the defeat. Great answer. Um, next question. What advice do you have for professionals balancing their mental health and trying to figure out their next career step while unemployed? Balancing your mental health is to really check in with yourself. <clears throat> you know, many people believe mental health is about, you know, bipolarism only or schizophrenia, and it's not. It could be sleep deprivation. It could be anxiety. Um, but to really check in and talk to someone and to get real with yourself so that you can become your best self. And if diagnosed, how to deal with it. Because it doesn't mean that you stop living because life goes on, right? So to, to just truly check in with and to take care of and whether you're on medication or you have to meditate or whatever is required to be at your best self so that you can show up every day with the tools that are necessary that push you towards your success is what I would say. Yes, I agree with that. And the other thing I would recommend is that if you need to and seek professional help, if you have, if you're religious and you're people of faith, I go talk to your pastor, your minister, uh, because you can't handle this by yourself. If you try to do it by yourself, then you're, you're more often going to lead to even darker areas uh, with whatever you've experienced. And so um, the more people that you can involve, that you trust and that you can talk to and get, um, get honest advice, uh, I believe that that's more than, than what you need to do to be stay healthy in that aspect. Great answers. I'm loving this. <laughs> Could you discuss how forgiveness has played a part in getting your peace? Yes. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> so I attended a leadership convention in Atlanta during my transition. And one of the conversations was about are you the victim? Um, are you the victim? And so, you know, it, it really made me sit back and think and accept 
a lot. Um, learn how to forgive. Um, and that forgiveness is not for that next person. That forgiveness was for me so that I could be free and that I could move on. And honestly, it wasn't until I started peeling back those layers of the onions, the onion to get to a point where I was free, that things started opening up for me. So before then, I was very clouded. Um, I was pointing the finger. I wasn't accepting accountability, um, playing the blame game in so many different ways. Um, I started seeing myself as the victim and that wasn't the case. And so uh, for me, that's how I got to my peace. When I could release all of it, forgive everyone for what I thought happened or what said or what happened, what have you, um, it was just freeing for me. Yes, you can't be forgiven until you forgive. And um, I truly learned in this is that um, it was all about me and where I needed to be. And if I was to keep everything in and started blaming and feeling other people had done me wrong, it was just going to fester more in me and I was going to be unproductive and I was going to deal with, you know, mental health issues. It affects your physical health and everything else. So, you know, I took what we were able to achieve and all the great people that I worked with. And, you know, I've been honored by that. And so, you know, I could stand by that and smile and be, be grateful for it and, and move on. And that it was just a journey. And God puts us through this journey and he gives us what he gives us, and he doesn't give us any more than we cannot handle. So, you know, just having that faith in my, my life and be able to move on that um, I've been and I'm now at peace. And so, you know, uh, it, it's the thing about, uh, you know, um, you, you just got to move on and that, you know, you have to forgive. Um, you don't forget because you learn from experiences, but you just move on. Amen. That's a banger. Thank you both for that. Um, Tanya, you quoted Jen Fry and you spoke on your relationship with her. I know she's a phenomenal person. Could you elaborate on the importance of having a relationship with people in the industry now, not just a network, but a genuine relationship with someone? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when I consider a relationship, I consider it someone who is genuinely interested in your well-being and your success. And they're willing to pour into your success and to help you, whether it's to get to your next or to get through. Um, that has been vital um, in my relationships throughout this industry and even outside of the industry, where if I'm going through and just need a shoulder, I have someone I can call. If I'm going through and I need an answer of how to, there's someone that has been through it as well that is willing to share. Um, and so I, I, I attribute much of my success to my relationships because there's so many people that have helped me in my development, in my growth, um, in my infancy, coming into the, the industry and that have helped shape the woman that I am. Thank you, Bonnie. That was a great answer. Uh, Kevin, you spoke on, you know, um, being patient and having faith and our relationship with God. Could you give us any advice on young professionals who are struggling with their faith during this time and who are becoming impatient with God's timing? One of the things I currently uh, spoke to at uh, my church was how do you incorporate your beliefs and your faith into the workplace? And that it's very difficult at times to be able to bring your faith there and be able to speak about it freely without um, maybe offending or, or having it be part of, uh, of another concern. You know, um, particularly um, um, in the later years of my uh, participation in intercollegiate athletics, uh, that wasn't a problem for me because I was strong and I believed in it. But the thing that uh, I learned 
is that um, there was a vulnerability there. And when you place yourself in an area of vulnerability, you have to be able to understand there could be repercussions. And that, you know, being vulnerable is not being weak, but it's being, having some courage to step forward and do things that others might do for the benefit of others. And that, you know, a lot of times when you leave yourself vulnerable, uh, good things might not happen. But you have to have faith in yourself and you have to have that courage because I believe that if more of us had that, then we would look at what's going on in intercollegiate athletics and in our world and we could make it better because we stand for something. And that I believe, um, and I was just listening to the speakers before this, that uh, a lot of times we're in those meetings and we encounter our colleagues and um, what do they stand for? Why are they there? Um, why am I doing this? And if we're not doing it for the right reasons and we're not doing it for uh, people that we serve, then you know there's other jobs that you could go to work nine to five and uh, get a holiday card and be blessed. Uh, I'll leave you with this. And someone shared this with me a long time ago. I was interviewing a coach and I say, coach, how do you measure your success? And he said, it's not the four or five years that I have these young people there, but it's after that. It's when I'm in the grocery store or at the airport and they walk up to me and say, coach, do you remember me? And this is my family or my significant other or my partner. And these are my kids and this is what I'm doing now. And had it not been for what you did in that locker room and on the field and outside of that, I might not be where I'm at today. So that's how I, I measure what I've been able to do, how we've been able to impact these young people's lives and see how they benefit from the value of the scholarship. Thank you. I think we need a part two for this session. Um, final question. Often people in the industry with jobs are reluctant to speak to people outside of jobs. What's that about? great question. I didn't hear the question. I'm sorry. Often people in the industry with jobs are reluctant to speak with people out of jobs. What's that about? I, well, I could share this with you. And, um, <clears throat> um, I've experienced this with some of my friends that played in the league. And um, when they were retiring or they're getting out, uh, the wives and the players kind of disassociated themselves with those people because they looked at it and said, this will eventually be me. Mm. And it's almost like somebody who's terminally ill and that, you know, you want to support them and God bless them, but in the back of your mind saying, wow, I would not want to end up like that or have that. And I think that's part of what we what we go through is that, you know, when some people experience um, things and no longer with us, that it brings fears in, in others. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I could actually sit up here and say that I'm guilty of this because I would read things and see things and say somebody got dismissed or they lost their job or whatever, and I would have said, well, I don't know what they did, but I wouldn't have done that. But it's not a matter of what we do and what we don't do sometimes. It's a matter of who we work with and what their mentality and what they're trying to do. And, you know, some of us aren't going to submit to people that uh, aren't doing the right thing. And it's time for us to part ways. And I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. So um, I think there's a lot of people that uh, look at these kind of situations and they just are afraid that it could be them. And I think sometimes you just don't know what to say. And so, and I'm guilty of that. It's just, it's an uncomfortable conversation. And, you know, oftentimes in lieu of saying something and saying the wrong things, we ought not to say anything at all. But sometimes, you know, the silence and not saying anything is worse than the misspoken word. I would just like to close by saying, there's power in the closed door. 
and I know you're probably running over, but I just want to share that. There, there's power in a door that closes. Um, you know, God has prepared us for where we are in that time. And when it closes, he's just preparing us for our next. So regardless as if you are in turmoil, if you're stressed and what you're going through before that door closing closes, it's only preparing you and propelling you for your next. Amen. 